All right, let's get our Bibles turned to Matthew chapter 6. We are in a, in a series, we've been in a series for quite a while called The Best Sermon Ever. And uh, we didn't call it this because I'm preaching or Paul's preaching or anyone else is preaching. We're, we're calling it this because Jesus is the one that preached the sermon. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and, and dive into uh, this next section of that. And, uh, you know, I was thinking as I was coming up here for, I don't know how many years, my wife has always said to me uh, before I come up here, she's like, she'll always go, hey, preach like your hair's on fire. This is what happens when you preach for 29 years with your hair on fire. I just want you to know that. So a few weeks ago, uh, Amy and I flew down to Orlando uh, to speak at a conference. It was a church planning conference, and we've done that for several years, and uh, we landed, got a rental car and got to the hotel and we went into our hotel room and uh, I went into the bathroom and I noticed that the towels in the bathroom were really thin. And I don't know about you, but I hate drying off with thin towels. And so I told Amy, I said, you know, Amy, I'm going to, we passed a Walmart on the way here. I'm just going to go to Walmart and just get some, some, some other towels because these are ridiculous. And so got in my car, went to Walmart and I walked in and I went and I got four really plush, thick towels because we're going to be there for a few days and obviously we weren't doing laundry. So I thought we were going to need two each. So as I was walking through the, the bedding linen area, I saw that they had these really nice comforters. Now here's a challenge when Amy and I travel together. When we walk into a hotel room, the very first thing that she does is she takes the comforter off the bed and throws it on the ground. She's just disgusted by that whole ordeal there. So the problem is, is I like to sleep, I like the room to be really cold. And so, you know, when you, you don't have a comforter, all you have is a sheet, uh, it's a problem. So as I'm walking with these big towels, I thought, well, I'll just buy a comforter while I'm at it. And so I grabbed a big comforter and, uh, and I'm walking up to the front of, of the store to check out. And I thought, you know what? We don't have any snacks. We don't have any snacks. We don't have any drinks. Uh, I, don't like the, I don't like those vending machines because they don't always work and I don't like what's in them. So I bought some, some snacks and some drinks. And by this point, I'm thinking I've got to get a cart. So I went and got a cart and I've got my snacks, my drinks, my big comforter. I got my towels. And I'm, and, but, but while I'm getting ready to, to check out, I, I'm, I notice that over in the appliance area, they've got these little mini refrigerators. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen... If you ever, if you knew that Walmart sells these little tiny refrigerators, but I thought, you know, I can't have drinks and some snacks that need to be refrigerated because our hotel room doesn't have a refrigerator. So I, I wheeled my cart over there and, uh, and, I, and I got one of those mini refrigerators. Those things are cool. Um, and so while I was over there, I noticed that there, they had this sale on these Dyson bladeless fans. Have you ever seen those things? Those things are awesome. And so I thought, well, why not? I, I, I got a little room in my cart, so I, I put it in there. And, uh, and, and so because of our sleep issues, and I like it cold, and she likes it not so much, so I thought, well, I just put it over by me. And that way, well, we've got the new comforter too. So, well, while I was over there, I started thinking about Tuesday night, uh, prison break comes on, and Wednesday night, designated survivor comes on. And that's really all we watch other than baseball games. And so I thought, I cannot watch those shows on the 32-inch TV in the hotel room. <laughs> so I looked, and there, believe it or not, they had a sale on these 50-inch high-definition plasma. I'm looking at some of y'all's faces like, 
you are messed up. I'm not sure I want to come to this church anymore. But anyway, so, so I, I, I just, I, I, I grabbed the TV and I put it in the cart and, and so I wheeled it out and none of that's true, by the way. I, I have, to, I can't keep going with this, but some of you are looking like, really, like, really, seriously? All right. Are you serious about this story that you're telling us right now? Because you, you have some serious issues. I mean, look, look, none of this ever happened. Think about this for a moment. Why would I invest so much into so much stuff when I knew that I was going to be in Orlando for just a short amount of time? And why would I invest so much into so much stuff when I knew that all I had invested in, I was going to have to leave behind in the hotel room? Some of you know where I'm about to go with this whole message, don't you? In this part of Jesus' sermon, he raises a similar question regarding this whole idea of investing in earthly treasures, earthly stuff. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6 and we're going to pick it up at verse 19. Jesus preaching says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, let me just say this, like the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, this passage of scripture is really challenging and it's really convicting. And I think it raises some questions that we're all going to need to wrestle with this morning. And three questions I want to just put in front of you. And here's the very first question, if you put it on the screen. Where is your treasure stored? Where's your treasure stored? When Jesus refers to the word treasure, he's referring to those things in life that we, we actually need or we look to, to bring us joy and fulfillment and contentment and satisfaction. Our treasures often, sometimes, uh, oftentimes the thing that we measure our self-worth by or how we actually measure other people's value. Now, according to Jesus, we only have two options when it comes to storing treasure. We either store it up in heaven or we store it up here on earth. Now, I want to stop for just a moment and I want to, I want to ask you this question again. Where are you storing your treasure? Well, you say, how do I know? Well, according to Jesus, the litmus test for how you know is, can, you tre- can your treasure be eaten by bugs? Can your treasure be eroded or corroded by rust? Or, and can your treasure be stolen by thieves? In other words, can the things that you treasure most in life be easily lost or taken from you? If your answer is, is yes, Jesus says, then you're storing up your treasure here on earth. Now, why do we do that? Because I think all of us, including me, we've all guilty of, of, of storing up treasure here. All of us have defaulted at one point or another to storing up earthly treasures over heavenly treasures. Why? Well, part of it's just simply the culture we live in. We live in a culture that is constantly feeding us this, this lie that the more earthly stuff we possess or the more you know, stuff that we accumulate, the more content that we'll be, the more important we'll feel, or the more that people will respect you, or, or the more self-worth you'll have. And any of us that have set our hearts on the, the pursuit of that kind of treasure based on those kind of things come to a place in their life where you just realize that's just not true. That's not true. When your heart is set on storing earthly treasure, the bottom line is the more you get, the more you actually want. There's always this newer, faster, shiny one that comes out. But the fact is, it's never, it never brings long-term satisfaction. Even though the culture says, go, it, go after it with all of your heart, pour your whole heart and soul into, into accumulating it, it just doesn't deliver what it promises. 
The second reason that we spend so much of our time trying to store up earthly treasure is more of a spiritual one. And this is really a tough one, to be honest with you, is that we believe, we just don't believe that Jesus can truly satisfy us like he says he can. Let me give you a biblical illustration to kind of prove my point for a moment. In in Mark chapter 10, Jesus has this conversation with this guy that the Bible calls, Mark refers to him as the rich young ruler. And um, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he throws himself down on the ground. Now, not only is this guy rich, but according to the Bible, he has some authority. So here's this guy on the ground at Jesus' feet. This would have been an act of humility. And he addresses Jesus by calling him good teacher. And Jesus says, well, why do you call me good teacher? No one is good except God alone. And the rich young ruler asks Jesus this question. He says, what must I do to inherit inherit eternal life. Now, Jesus doesn't lead this guy through the sinner's prayer to lead him to salvation. Instead, he takes him to the Ten Commandments. And Jesus says, he starts listing off the Ten Commandments, and the ones that he lists off have to do with loving your neighbor. And Jesus says, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie to someone, do not defraud uh, your neighbor, do not uh, honor your mother and father. And the rich young ruler steps back and he goes, well, Jesus, all of these things I've kept since these things, I've kept these things since I was a child. I mean, this guy's feeling really good about himself at this point. And the Bible says that Jesus looks at this guy and he loved him. That's what it says. Jesus looks at the guy and he loved him. That's kind of like what we say, bless your little heart. It's kind of the kind Southern way of saying you're an idiot, okay? Jesus says, okay, there's really only one thing you lack. He says, go sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then you you invest your treasure in heaven. And when you do that, he says, then come follow me. Now, just to be clear, Jesus wasn't saying to this man, you need to work to gain your salvation or you need to try to earn your salvation. So, So what's going on here? Well, Jesus knew this guy's heart. He knew what was going on inside this guy. So he called his bluff. This rich man had this, this God in his life, this idol called money and wealth. He treasured his money and his stuff more than anything in life. And Jesus says, if you want eternal life, then this false God has to come down off the throne of your life so that the one true God can take his rightful place. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 22, it says, at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Now, when you look at this story, you go, man, what a tragedy. That's a tragic story. Now, before we beat this guy up, let's make this personal for just a moment. How would you have handled this conversation with Jesus? What if Jesus said to you this morning, listen, I I know you prayed a prayer. I was there. I know that, that, that you're in a group that I know that you're serving, but let's talk for just a moment about your stuff and your, and your money. There's a problem here. Because on the outside, there's a lot of spiritual stuff going on. But, but in the core of the inside, in the core of who you really are, you're still choosing earthly treasures over me. And so I want you to decide this morning, is it me or is it your stuff? Is it earthly treasure or is it heavenly treasure? What would you do if you were to have that conversation with Jesus this morning? See, how you answer this question tells everything about whether or not you really truly believe that Jesus can take care of you and that he can satisfy your needs like he says he can. Now, after the rich young ruler leaves, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, guys, I want you to know something. It is really hard. It's just hard for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of God. Not impossible, but he said that it's just really difficult. Now, why would Jesus say that? Well, because people 
that have a lot in life don't really think they need much. Their their self-worth is in what they have here on this earth. They have what culture defines as being successful. So it's really hard to admit that they have an emptiness inside of them, that there's a void in their life, that, that all of this stuff that they've accumulated really just brings temporary satisfaction. It's hard for them to get to that point where they where they admit that, so what do they do? They just keep choosing the pursuit of earthly things over the God who gave them those treasures. Now, just to clarify, does that mean that earthly treasures and wealth and you know, being rich is, 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 is bad or sinful? No, that's not what this means at all. Earthly treasures become bad things when they begin to rule our hearts. Earthly stuff becomes bad when they become the idols of our life. According to author Mark Driscoll, when you take a good thing and make it a God thing, then that's a bad thing. When you take a good thing and you make it a God thing, then that's a bad thing. Well, what's ultimately wrong with focusing our life on earthly stuff? Well, first of all, earthly stuff can sometimes keep us from God who is really the only one that can make us truly happy and satisfy us. And then earthly stuff can keep us from engaging in the higher priorities that your resources actually demand. Now, let me tell you what I mean by that. Getting the gospel to places like downtown Atlanta, places like Boston or Detroit or other places we work like Guatemala or Burkina Faso, Africa, that requires all of us to invest our time, our talents, and our money. Uh, Caring for the poor in, in our community whether it's downtown Atlanta or here in Paulding County, caring for the poor and the powerless, which is what God actually wants from us, that requires us to invest our time, our gifts, and our resources, and our money. Making disciples here at Westridge Church, in our kids' ministry, in our student ministry, in, in our small groups with our adults, it, it requires that we invest our time, our gifts, and our money. When you have to sit on the sidelines, when it comes to investing in what God has put in your hands, because you value your earthly treasures and possessions more than, than Christ or the priorities of his kingdom, then that's a problem. It actually says that you value earthly things more than you value heavenly things. It says that you value things that can be eaten by bugs or things that can be um, corroded by rust or things that can be stolen by thieves more then you value the things that actually matter to God. In other words, your values are different than God's values. And if that's you this morning, that's a problem. I want you to know that. Listen, when we value what God values, we will begin to invest treasures into the things that God treasures. So the question again is, where is your treasure stored here today? You say, well, Brian, what if if I'm not where I need to be? What, What if my heart is in the wrong place? Here's what I want you to do. Put your heart, put your treasure where your heart is not. Put your treasure where your heart is not. Now, I remember the first time I heard someone say that, I think it was James Griffin. I remember sitting there going, James, that doesn't even make sense. What are you talking about? Let me explain. Think about this for a moment. Where do you find your security? Think long-term, okay, in your life. Do you find it in your retirement fund? Do you find it in your investments? Do you find it in your 401k? Are you finding it in some kind of real estate down the road? Where, Where are you finding your security right now? Where do you invest most of your heart? Is it your house? Is it those cars sitting out there? Is it, is it, is it traveling? Is it, is it your career? Is it your kids? Is it, is it your kids' sports? What is the thing that you love more than anything else in life? If you were to be honest, what is your treasure? 
What is it that you, that you treasure the most? Wherever your heart is, is what you're going to talk about the most. It's the thing that, that you work into almost every conversation. You hang around with someone for a long time, you're going to find out real quickly what they're all about because somewhere within the first five minutes, they're going to start talking about their kids. They're going to start talking about their house. They're going to start talking about their car. They're going to start talking about whatever they treasure usually is going to come out in, in their conversation. Now, if you're still not sure what your treasure is, then go home and take a good look at your calendar or take a good look at your checkbook, your bank statement, because that will tell you where your heart is. And Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And here's what most people do when it comes to matters of the heart. We wait on a feeling before we take action. We wait on, we wait on the warm fuzzies before we, we go into action. We wait until our heart is stirred before we take action. It's it's just human nature. Here's how you fix this. You take action on what you know to be right and then you trust that the feelings will follow. Let me tell you what I mean by that. If you want to have a true love for this church and everything that's going on here, invest your money, invest your time, invest your gifts and your talents into the mission and the ministry of this church and then watch what happens to your heart you'll begin to care about what happens here more than you ever had before. For, because for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you want to have a heart for the poor and powerless of life, maybe you're struggling with that right now. You know, but, but so what do you do? You begin to invest your time. You begin to invest your money. You begin to invest your gifts into helping them. And watch what happens to your heart. Because for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, put some skin into the game and your heart will follow. Do you want to have a heart for missions? Look at the cities and the countries that, that we're invested in right now and then begin to invest yourself there. Do you want to have a heart for church planting? Pick one of our church planters. They're literally all over the country. Begin to invest in what they are doing and you will begin to have a heart for the people that they're trying to reach. Lead your treasure to where your heart is not. Don't let your heart lead you. You lead your heart. That's what we're trying to say here today. The second thing, let's go back to scripture here. Jesus says in verse 22, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Here's the second question. Is your vision clear or is it cloudy? Is your vision clear or is it cloudy? Jesus begins to talk about the eye. Why does he do that? Well, because the eye is considered to be the lamp of the body. The eye is actually the window by which light comes into our bodies. Think about this for a moment. Think about the windows in your house. If you have a window that's partially covered by a blind or maybe it's tinted or, or maybe it's, it's dirty or you, know, you just haven't washed it in forever, then you're probably not gonna get all of the light that you could be getting into that house. The state of that window will determine how much light comes into your house. So if your windows are dirty or tinted, you're not going to have the full light. But if your windows are clean and clear, then light's just going to pour into your house. And Jesus is saying, listen, that's the same thing. The same thing is true for you spiritually. The the state of your spiritual eye or your spiritual vision determines how much spiritual light or darkness is going to enter our lives. Our spiritual eye Our spiritual focus is going to determine how we approach where we're storing our treasure. And just as the eye in our head affects our entire body, our spiritual focus actually affects our entire life. 
And I guarantee you, if, if somewhere along the line you begin to fall into sin, it's because your spiritual focus has gotten dirty. Your spiritual focus has become cloudy. You didn't mean for it to happen, but things just got a little dingy, a little tinted over time. And the next thing you know, sin has creeped into your life and you're, you didn't even plan on for that to happen. If you find yourself more interested in storing up your treasure here on earth than you do in God's kingdom or in heavenly things, somewhere your spiritual focus has gotten off course. The eyes of your heart have gotten cloudy and dirty. That's why the apostle Paul tells us in Colossians chapter three, verse two, he says, set your mind on the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. Why does he say that? Because God wants to protect us from wasting our lives on chasing the wrong things in life. He knows that if our hearts are gonna be immersed by spiritual life, then we're gonna to have to value what he values. We're gonna to have to care about what he cares about. You're gonna to have to begin to invest your life in his kingdom, which is ultimately where we're gonna truly find joy and contentment and happiness in this life. And listen, I can tell you from firsthand experience that when your spiritual vision is cloudy and you're spending time storing up earthly treasures, that eventually you're just gonna to come to a place in your life where you just realize, you know what? This is a perilous pursuit. This is what Solomon calls in Ecclesiastes, a chasing after a win. This is where you begin to realize that I'm climbing this ladder, but I put this ladder against the wrong wall. I'm wasting precious time and precious resources. This, 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 God's only given me this one and only shot at life and I'm wasting it. And you start looking back with buyer's remorse and going, I can't believe I've wasted all this, this, this time and resources and, and talent that God has given me. So what, what do I do? What, what, what if my spiritual vision or my spiritual focus becomes a bit clouded or, or tainted by darkness and I realize, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I need, I need to pause here because my, my ladder's against the wrong wall. Here's what you do. First of all, you'd repent. What does that mean? It's a change of mind that is so powerful that it just changes the direction you're going in. You go, oh, wait a minute. That's not the direction that God wants me to go in. I changed my mind about that. Lord, I'm sorry here for a moment. I'm going in this way. I'm going in this direction. You actually confess your sins to the Lord and you, you receive his forgiveness. And then you set your eyes on Jesus as your treasure. You look and you go, what am I gonna treasure in this life? I'm gonna treasure Jesus. Because when I turn my eyes upon Jesus, then that old hymn becomes true. The things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And then you begin to preach the gospel to yourself. You say, what does that mean? Well, the word gospel means good news. And let me just go over the gospel for just a moment. 2,000 years ago, the son of God came to earth wrapped up in flesh to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. He lived a perfect life. It's a life that none of us have been ever, ever able to live because of sin. And eventually he went to the cross where he died a brutal death in our place for our sins as our substitute, taking the punishment from God that our sin required so that we could be forgiven by God, that we could be actually loved and accepted by him once and for all. But the good news got even better. Because three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, overcoming sin, overcoming death and hell on our behalf so that we could now have new and eternal life from and with God. And so here's a question you have to ask yourself as you're wrestling with all this stuff about stuff. And do you believe that? Do, do you believe that when you were at your worst, God gave you his best? Do you believe that because of Jesus, it doesn't matter who you are, 
It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you may do in the future. You are totally loved and accepted by God forever. When you believe this good news with all of your heart, which is what actually brings you into a right relationship with God, then what you do then, you begin to pre- you just continue to preach this to yourself every time. It's not just a one-time shot. You preach this good news to yourself every day. And when you do that, Jesus will become your greatest treasure. Because it just reminds you every day of what Jesus has done for you. You realize that everything that you need in this life, you find it in Jesus. Jesus plus nothing really truly does equal everything. He's the source of our joy. He becomes the source of our contentment. He becomes actually the source of our peace. He becomes the source of our pleasure. When Christ becomes your treasure, your spiritual vision will just start to clear up. Your heart will start to begin to move and then all of a sudden, before you know it, your hands begin to open up and you're engaging in things you never thought you would and your heart's tender and sensitive towards things you never thought it could be sensitive toward. And you find yourself investing your earthly treasure back into what God actually treasures. So Jesus is calling us this morning, all of us, in a very strong way to focus our lives on his kingdom, to store up our, our treasures in heaven and not here on this earth because he knows that not only can we waste our one and only lives investing in earthly things, but he knows that we, could, he knows that we can get to the very end of this life and miss the whole thing. He knows that we can look through life and be enslaved be enslaved by things that could be eaten by bugs, things that could be corroded by rust, things that could, could actually be taken from us by thieves. And that we could become enslaved to those things. That's, he, that's why he actually says this in verse 22. He says, no one can serve two masters. For either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. He says, you cannot serve God and money. So here's the next question. What master are you going to serve? I mean, that's a question that we have to ask ourselves every day, just like the other questions. What master are you going to serve? Are you going to serve God or are you going to serve your possessions? Are you going to serve your, your money? If you are being mastered by your money, then God will always get either nothing from you or he's just going to get your leftovers. Now, why would we ever allow ourselves to be mastered by money? What, what, why would we do that? Simple. Not only... Do we think that money will ultimately bring us happiness? But we buy into this myth that everything that we have is actually ours. Now, if you've been here for a while, you know, I've I've used this little saying in the past. And if you haven't been here before, then you'll be new to this. But here's, I want to say this, okay? Everything that you have, everything belongs to God. Everything. Everything comes from God. And everything's distributed by God. In other words... It's all his. And the myth that you may be buying into today is that this stuff that you're working so hard to accumulate is actually yours. Listen, you mean the house, you worked hard to get it, it's not yours, it's his. And he goes, what are you gonna do with that for my kingdom? That car that you drove here that you cherish so much that's actually losing value as you sit in here today, it's his. He wants to know what are you gonna do to put that car into play. Listen, the 401k, your time, the gifts, your money, the kids, it's all his, he owns it all. So here's the big question. Are you gonna submit to the master of your treasure? Are you gonna submit to the master of your treasure? Now, according to Jesus, you're gonna serve one of two masters. You can't serve them both. You can't serve God and money because you will love one and you'll hate the other. You'll submit to one or you'll submit to the other. 
And so are you going to submit to the master of your treasure? Now here's the challenge. It's the word submit. It's the word submission. For some of us today, when we think of submit, we immediately think of a slave submitting to a master. It's a position of weakness. It's bondage. We look at that and we go, there's no freedom there. There's no joy in that. And so for many people, that idea carries into their actual relationship with God. If God is the master, then all he wants from me is just to simply be his slave. He wants to, he wants to just suck the joy out of me with his whole life so I'll serve him with all my heart because that's what submitting to a master is all about. Here's the deal. If that's your picture of God, you have the wrong picture. You have the wrong picture. Now, honestly, it's the picture of God that I had for probably the first 20 plus years of my life. And can I tell you something? It's exhausting trying to serve someone that you just feel wants to rob the joy out of your life. Someone that you just feel is just, all he wants to do is make life taxing and exhausting. But I want to tell you somewhere, somewhere around the age of 23, 24 years old, God used a a really great but challenging seminary experience and a lot of really tough events to show me that this master who wants me to submit my life to him is actually a loving father who wants to relate to me as a son and a father. And I want to tell you something, that changed everything. It changed how I served. It changed how I gave. It changed how I look at, at the money that I was working hard to earn. It changed actually how I saw my future. It changed how I related to this father. Because when, it, when, it, when I got this new picture of this father, all of a sudden I now could, could submit my life to this kind of master. Now all of a sudden, for the first time in my life, submission and obedience brought actual joy and pleasure to me. I wanted to submit my life and everything I have because now I saw him and recognized him as a good, good father who unconditionally loves me, who accepts me, who's pleased with me because of Jesus. It's a submission that actually leads to joy and blessing. Apostle Paul, he understood this about God. In 1 Timothy 6, 19, here's what he says. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, what's Paul doing here? Paul's just telling us two things. He says, listen, when we obey God as our master, he rewards us with eternal treasure. When we get to heaven, God will reward us for how we lived our lives here on earth, how we invested, how we gave, how we served. What would that look like? It might look like someone coming up to you from Burkina Faso you never met before and going, thank you for investing in digging a well. Because of that well, I came to Christ and I know that you invested in it. Thank you. That could be your treasure. Maybe someone here in the projects in, in, in our own area walking up to you and go, you may never met me before, but you invested some time you shared your testimony. You came down and you just gave out food or whatever that looked like. And because of you, you never met me. I'm here in heaven today because of you. I remember you. It may be that, you know, for some of you in here, you put your career into play. I see some coaches out here. I love you guys, you ladies. You just invested in your life into coaching. And maybe you didn't see a whole lot of wins. Maybe it was more losses than wins. But when you get to heaven one day, maybe those young men, maybe those young ladies will walk up to you and say, because you just lived a godly life in front of me. And when you had an opportunity, you shared Jesus with me. I'm here today because of that. That could be your reward. I mean, think about that. Knowing that to be true, why would we ever spend? Think about why would we spend Why would we spend this one and only life that God has given us investing in the wrong stuff, being mastered by the wrong things, being mastered by money, 
The great missionary Jim Elliott said that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's, it, it's crazy to live our lives serving the wrong master. And here's the second thing the apostle Paul tells us. He says, when we obey God as our master, then we take hold of life that is truly life. Things that can be eaten by bugs, things that, things that can be corroded by rust, things that can be taken from us. Those don't give us life. None of those things give us life. There's only one thing that can truly bring you life, and that's Jesus. It's Jesus. Jesus is the only one who gives us life. And when we start submitting our lives to Jesus, then we start understanding how life was meant to work. So, do you want to take hold of life that is truly life? I love that phrase. I want life that is truly life. Do you want to, do you want to feel like your one and only life matters? Do you want to live this life with real true meaning and purpose? Then stop living for earthly things and submit to, to God as the master of your treasure. And I promise you, I promise you that you will begin to understand and experience a life that is truly life, a life full of fulfillment and purpose and meaning in this lifetime. Now, I want to take just a moment and I want to just kind of go back to the beginning, if we could, for just a moment. I want to ask you some questions. And if you're here today and you listen to this whole thing and you're like, listen, Brian, I don't believe anything that you just said. Then I want you to still participate in in answering these questions because you're smart. You can do that. and We value you regardless. Okay. So here's the questions. In the grand scheme of things, we know that we're only here for a short matter of time, right? And in, in the grand scheme, we also know that whatever we acquire here isn't going with us into the next life. You've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul, okay? If you did, it was a joke. It's not happening. So here's the challenge. Let's not be those people that store up the wrong treasures in the wrong places for all the wrong reasons. Let's lead our heart along with our treasures to what should truly matter in life, what what, what we should truly value in life. Let's Let's look to Jesus as our greatest treasure. My prayer for this church is that, is that we would truly believe with all of our hearts that Jesus plus nothing really does equal everything and that our lives would reflect that belief, that, that that belief would define the heartbeat of this church, that it would impact our generosity, it would impact our giving, it would impact how we look at our gifts and we put them into play, how we impact how we spend our time. And let's proclaim with all of that stuff, our actions, our serving, our money, that God is truly the master of our stuff, that he's in control of everything, not me. Because when that happens, when that happens, not only does he allow me to store up treasure for the future, but he helps me to experience life here on earth the way that he meant for it to be lived. And this is tough. It's a tough challenge this morning. I know that, but here's the truth. You can't do this. You can't do this for God without asking for his help. Okay? This, what, what Jesus is asking us to do here today, just you need to know this. We can't do it on our own strength. It's just too much. I've tried, you've tried. We always go back to default. We need God's help. We need a savior. And so here's what I want to do right now. I want us just to bow our heads for a moment. And I, I want you to think about, think about everything you have, everything that has value to you. Every place that you're finding your security. You need to put your hands out in front of you just to 
Say, Lord, here's everything I have. It's, it, it's all I own in this life. And just recalibrate your mind right now. If that has become what, has def- what defines you, where you find all of your joy, your satisfaction, even though it's, it's tough to do, why don't you just say to the Lord, Lord, right now, I just want you to know I changed my mind about how I've looked at this life and how I'm investing. Not just my money, but my time and my gifts. Lord, this is all yours anyways. It all comes from you. It belongs to you. You've given me this. This is what you've distributed to me. So Lord, I want to just put it in your hands. And I can't do this without your help. I'm powerless without your help. And Lord, I'm asking you today, would you just help me Lord, to, to see Jesus as my greatest treasure of all. Because I want, I want my spiritual eyes, I want my spiritual eyes to see this life the right way. I want my heart, I want my life to be full of light, not darkness. I want my, I want my spiritual eyes to look at, look at this life and everything I have in the right way, the way you see it. And so with that as well, I wanna see what you value. I wanna care about what you care about. I can't do that in my own strength. Lord, would you help me right now? Father, would you help, would you be the master of of your treasure? Be the master of your treasure. And help me to to use this one and only life that you've given me for your glory, Lord, to, to store up treasures not only one day for me in the future in heaven, but Lord, to truly take hold of the life that is truly life here on this earth. I want my life to have meaning and purpose, but I can't do this without you. So would you be the savior of everything that I call my own, and help me to be faithful and obedient and submissive to what you want me to do with it today. If you're here today and you've never trusted Jesus to be your savior, you listen to me lay out the gospel, but you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus alone, I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord, at this very moment, I ask Jesus to be my personal Lord and savior. I repent of my sins. Lord, I ask you for forgiveness, for trusting in my own strength and power to make it through life, to, to, to even think that I could get to heaven without you. What Jesus did for me on the cross was enough. And so I received that into my life, the free gift of salvation that can only be found in Jesus. Thank you for that today.